We are the forgotten generation, a misplaced slice of the 20th century when birth rates were as low as expectations for the future. We lived under the threat of constant nuclear annihilation, playing outside, but always inherently knowing the future was indoors. We are the second half of Generation X. We were some of the first to play video games, program home computers, and record CDs to cassette mixtapes. Our generation was nourished by New Wave, Imperfect Punk Rock, and John Hughes movies. We built Web 1.0 from the ground up using our childhood 8-bit and 16-bit programming skills. They call us Gen X. We prefer the vertical blank generation, where magic happens between the lines, because that's where we live, love, and thrive. We are Generation Atari. This is uh, Steve. Sorry that we got an episode of the Alarm podcast into the Into the Vertical Blank feed. So because of that, I've thrown together a quick episode of things that didn't quite make it into this year's uh, Into the Vertical Blank podcast. Uh, There's a couple book reviews here, a couple other things. I hope you enjoy. Sorry about that. Try to do better next time. All right, first up is a trip Jeff and I took back to our favorite video game store, A&J Games, to get some stuff. This is supposed to be the beginning of an episode that we never used, so here it is. Hey, Jeff, we uh, just took a trip to our favorite video game store. A&J? A&J to get some... Uh, because we wanted a, 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 we were thirsting for some collectibles. Yes. Uh, okay. First, I'll tell you what I got. So what I almost got was a hard drive-in for the Genesis by Tengen. I didn't get it because it was in a box, but it didn't have instructions, and that made me mad. Um, but then I got a uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred Soccer named Football. So it's the it's the international version. I don't think I have a copy of this. Real sports. Football, real sports, real sports. So I like that because it says football on it. And then here's the other thing I got that I've never seen, but because I'm relatively brand new to Nintendo games, I found Super Pitfall from Activision, and I don't remember a Super Pitfall. I don't remember knowing that this ever existed. What does it look like on the back? Explain that. It's, well, it's from 1987, and it the the game kind of looks. Like an Apple II game to me, and I don't know why. Colorful Apple II like game. Color 64. Or it doesn't. Game, yeah. It does not look like a Nintendo game. Um, the box is almost pristine, so I feel like it's some kid got this from Christmas from their dad who knew about Atari games, but this was like, um, like, like, uh, like not a Japanese game, so they got bored by it and never played it. But I'm fascinated to play this game to see what it is because I know there was Pitfall 2 and there was Pitfall the Mine Adventure but what's Super Pitfall exactly so anyway that's what I got um not a lot but 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 uh you know not a not a bad set of stuff and now I'm gonna look and see what you got in your grab bag because I'm driving Jeff's driving so the first thing I'm gonna pull out of your bag is 
Real Sports Baseball for the 2600. Real Sports Baseball. It's a game you and I purchased. And this is not an international one. This is a 1988 version. We purchased a version of this and played it. We played it. Real Sports Baseball was a great game. Yeah, we played this a lot. I I loved it. Um, All right. So next, pulling out your bag. Oh, Gremlins. Gremlins. For the 5200. This looks like Robotron on the back of this. Yeah, check out the instructions. Their instructions. Uh, instructions. I don't think there's a. No, there's no instructions. No, no, no. So no, 50, no. Bo- a box for 5200. I already have a Gremlins, but I didn't have a box for Gremlins. So it adds to my meager sort of smashed box. That's a nice box. It's a nice box, I have yeah. some sort of a, sort of a crappy box collection of... Uh, what's that game right there? Okay, Steve? so next up from your bag, I pulled out a Vanguard. It's the International Vanguard for the 2600, released in 1988. Colored color box, color instructions. It's really oh, nice. Cool one. That, that, both that and the other one look like they've never been opened. That and uh, they look like someone. They might have been opened, but no one ever played them. Yes. Like they never been taken out. All right. Next up is. Miss Pac-Man for the Genesis. Because it's Tengen. It's Tengen Miss Pac-Man. Isn't this the Miss Pac-Man that has tons of extra features in it? No idea. I need to play and find out. Um, it says 36 wild and crazy mazes. I think in that new book, the the, the book about arcade conversions. Oh, they talk about this. They talk right. about the fact that this Miss Pac-Man has tons of different versions in it. It says 36 mazes. They went far oh, away. Oh, too. Yeah, they went far and away um, yes. above, like, re- like recreating Miss Pac-Man. It's really, really cool. Um, and then finally, and what's that? What's the book called? Um, Arcade, Arcade Perfect. Perfect right. Yeah, that's a great game. And finally, the last thing in your your bag is a Sega Master System game called Black Belt. I don't know anything about Black Belt. Jeff, what do you know about Black Belt? I don't remember Black Belt, but I don't have it. And I, I got it for 10 bucks. So 10 bucks for a Sega... It's hard to find new Sega Master System loose carts that I don't have, and that's one of them. I, I just remember now, like, what was it, 1980... 88 when you got a Sega Master System? For, I bought one for you for Christmas. And, and what did I buy you that Christmas? Action Max. Action Max. Yes, the most unequal Christmas ever. Maybe we should save this for our Christmas. This is a kind of our Christmas episode. Sort of. The episode where we're going to talk about things to buy for Christmas. Right. Good presents. I think this is a good segue into our into our, pres- our reviews of... So I think today's episode, we're going to review books that we think would be good for Christmas. Not all of them are new books. Some of them are older books. But lots of great books that we think would make perfect Christmas gifts for people who live in the vertical blank. But we're not going to do it while we're driving because no, you don't want to hear this no, back. Driving noise. sucks. We'll do it later. But 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 it, but as a segue before our books, I'll just explain that night Christmas 1988, Jeff bought me a Sega Master System. Really, he bought it for both of us. Yeah, Let's be honest. Let's be honest. The Sega Master System was an awesome system. It came with um, Astro Warrior, and then it had like the that snail maze thing built in. Astro Warrior may be the best packing game well, ever. And super, it's Hang On and Astro Warrior. Okay, but Astro Warrior may be the best packing game ever. Ever, yeah. It's such a good shooter for the price, which is pack-in price. Well, it came with... With Hang On too on the same and Super time. Hang On, and then um, I bought you an Action Max, which is the world's worst Christmas which present. Which I never actually got it to hit anything on the screen. And I think up until so Action Max was uh, use videotapes. Um, you would plug it in. It was really a harken back to like a like a Tandy Tandy um, TV scoreboard when we got the Tandy yes. where the sound came out of the unit. Oh no, wait, sorry. The yeah, the, when you hit, I think when you shot something, the sound came out of the unit. Um, 
and because the videotape was playing the vi- playing the videos, so all the videos had was a was a little um, like a like a like a light on the screen, and you would shoot at it, and then it would register with the light gun that you would you would actually target that little thing on the screen. So the score was on the unit, little sound came of the unit, I believe, and it was just so uninteresting. Um, and I think I got you three tapes with it, like Pops, Ghostly. Like summer, uh, there was one that was like a Western one, but it, yeah, but they were just so because it wasn't like like you imagined it was going to be like a like something I don't know how it would work, but like a laser disc game where where something would happen yeah. where you shot the screen, but nothing happened. It was just a little score registered on the box, and you're like, you know what? I could have registered that score in my head. <laughs> Probably better than the Action Max did. Anyway, Action Max, worst present I ever gave Jeff for Christmas. Sega Master System, best present Jeff ever gave me for Christmas, both in 1988. The most unequal Christmas ever. uh, No, there was a couple years later, when you got me a, uh, I don't remember what I got you, probably just a bunch of games, but you got me the Jaguar that I still have today. Oh, yeah, I did get you a Jaguar. I made up for it. I made up for it. You made up for it. I made up for it. Anyway, let's go on to our, our, the book cast. This is Required Reading Christmas List. So as you heard at the end of that piece, we were going to do an episode about our favorite books for Christmas. Um, So because of that, I'm going to play a couple of the book reviews that were going to be on that podcast. So here they go. A book review of Galaga by Michael Kimball from Boss Fight Books. A minimalist coming-of-age story by way of the best golden age single-screen shooter. I recently finished Galaga by Michael Kimball, book number four in the Boss Fight book series, and I'm still kind of giddy from that high I got after reading something which I truly deeply connect. I knew nothing of this book or the Boss Fight series before I found it at the Retro City Festival in last January in Pomona, California. Michael Kimball hits all the right notes for me in this minimalist story centered around one of the best golden age arcade games ever made, Galaga. The book is separated into 256 chapters and structured a bit like a Gen X Moby Dick with dry historical details and playing tips mixed into an affecting coming of age story. The book is at once artistic, poetic, and to borrow a phrase from Galaga itself, perfect. For me anyway. After looking at some of the reviews on Amazon, maybe it's not for everyone. I feel sorry for those people who don't get it. One day, maybe they'll understand. The book is short enough to read in one sitting, but its impact, at least on me, will be long lasting. I felt for the past couple years that the era of the all-encompassing video game history book was coming to an end. This book proves it. Now, I believe we'll see more and more books like this one, small personal stories of game enthusiasts and developers who write about games effect on themselves and broader culture. My generation, X is just now coming to grips with the meaning of video games and their contextual temporal association with our lives and development. Kimball's book and others like Game Life by Michael Clune should be seen as torchbearers of things to come. There are many more books in this series, but not many from the Atari age. Like most other pop culture related to video games, Generation Atari gets, for the most part, left behind. Still, you do well to pick up Galaga by Michael Kimball. Because again, in my view, it's perfect. Book Review American Nerd, The Story of My People by Benjamin Nugent. I did not think I would write a review of this book. 
I've started reading dozens of books like American Nerd, but in all honesty, it is the rare one that I actually finish. Even though I'm a huge fan of nonfiction, I'm not really a fan of diatribe. If it feels to me that an author has written a book merely to prove some point, i.e. a 250-page rebuttal to a bad grade a college professor awarded them 10 years ago, I tend to sense it right away and stop reading. These texts seem to have some long paragraphs of argument with little evidence and an absence of expert quotes and paraphrase. Either there has to be a great story woven into the text, i.e. Hackers by Stephen Levy, or there has to be some kind of personal element added to the mix that begs me to finish the text, like Candy Freak by Steve Almond. When I started reading American Nerd, my diatribe sensor instantly went off. Dugent spends the first few chapters exploring the etymology of the word nerd by finding cultural and literary references from the past 150 years. Surprisingly, though, just as the text starts to enter the diatribe mode, Nugent changed subjects. At first, I was off-put by this. He seemed to be leaving out some key information that was necessary to tie it all together. For instance, in a section where he describes nerds and pop culture, he seems to jump to the nerd sketch from Saturday Night Live and talk about it as if his audience can read his mind and understand all the connections he is making that are not actually on the page. Still, Nugent has surprises in store. As the pages turn, he weaves just enough evidence into his material to quench those he feels needs proof. And then he starts his journey. While he is not as specific at first as the actual quest that is embarked upon in a book like, again, Steve Almond's Candy Freak, Nugent nonetheless moves from pure academic exercise to one based on experience. He visits different cultural groups that are seen as nerdy, as he shows how both groups and their members are essentially the same. While his turn is surprising, the final twist is even better. Nugent finds a way to take this exercise to a very personal place. Without much elaboration, the author finds his true voice by the last few chapters, and the point of the entire book becomes readily apparent. While this in itself is a fulfilling experience, it is also a micro for the entire story he is trying to tell. In short, the whole process of trying to chronicle the American nerd is a fairly nerdy exercise unto itself. I finished American Nerd, The Story of My People, and enjoyed it much more than I thought possible. Nugent covers some territory in the last few chapters that I do not believe I've ever read from another author. By the end, you realize that Nugent has not only written about what it means to be a nerd, but also the process in which a person tries to extract oneself from the cultural pit of that designation, and in turn, some of the guilt and shame that goes along with it. Even if Nugent did not know this when he set out, his whole experience is more common than he might believe. However, by being one of the first people to actually chronicle it, he sets himself and his book apart from anything remotely similar. For this, I highly recommend this book for anyone who listens to or views Into the Vertical Blade. So season two, episode 15 was about the Atari ST, and here is the lost intro to that episode that we never got around to editing and putting into the podcast. So here it is. We're in the Into the Vertical Blank Inner Sanctum. It's, it's Jeff's bedroom 
and he has his all of his retro games set up in his retro game all of his CIBs with which his wife wants out of his room and into the vertical blank. I think she wants us to bury them in the vertical blank. She wants to put them in the garage. That's the garage is like a vertical blank. I gotta tell you, if you put my CIBs and your CIBs together, we could open a retro store. Yeah, but we don't want to sell them. No, that's the case. I could be really sad selling them. Nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody needs that. Yeah, nobody, I, I, nobody needs a retro museum. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. Um. So I, I, here's the thing. Um, Thanksgiving, Jeff. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving, Steve. And well, it's going to be Thanksgiving. And I want to find out in the world of Atari, what are you thankful for, Jeff? The current world of Atari? I don't care. Any, anytime, anytime. Oh, well, I'm incredibly thankful for the moderately successful Atari 800. And I'm incredibly thankful for the Atari ST. Now, I, I, I originally, we loved the 2600 and we got, it was great. But by the time we got it, we wanted the Atari 800. Yeah. I agree with you. So I do, I do have fond memories of the 2600. And I thought it was great. But I am really, for the me personally, the computers are the ones that I'm the most thankful for. I know. The Atari 800 specifically, but the Atari ST as well, because well, as I, that went on, it had some amazing When I think back stuff. about it, we had the ST for longer than any other console or system that we we used it more frequently for more time than any, uh, anything We else. also did, I mean, with the Atari ST, um, I... I I think I don't know if we've talked about this before, but like I did everything on the Atari ST. Yeah. Like like I I got through college on the Atari ST. We made, we did cyber paint um, we titles did, for I our titles movies. for our movies on. Yeah. We wrote our first game on the Atari ST. Yep. Um, I wrote my first magazine article on the Atari ST and got it published. I mean, I mean, the Atari, the, our, our Atari ST was our literally our lifeblood for yeah exactly for five or six, almost six years. Okay, so awesome. all of um, all of eighty seven, all of eighty eight, all of eighty nine, all of ninety, all of ninety one, ninety two, almost all of it. I think it was it was no, ninety two no, when we 92, got so it was about five five and a half years. years, which seemed like a decade at the time. Right, and then two. we had then we had to get a PC for school to do some work. So, so um, I have liked the Atari ST too, and I know that you have been doing. A lot of reviews of Atari ST games. Now, I'm not just reviewing them. I'm trying to find out the history of them too at the same time. That's really cool. There's lots of reviews out there, and I don't want to say. So I like to find out like what other people said, and and I did find and try to try to find the manuals, and I did find a place where they have like a thousand manuals, and you really? have to like get download credits to yeah, download so you, them, like as one of those ROMs, Paradise places. But I I, I, I I scanned in my own manual and uploaded it, so I got credit to download another one. So I'm sharing my stuff with this place so I can download manuals. It sounds like, like the BBS scene. In it is totally the BBS scene. I'm trying to get manuals for <laughs> ST games, but yeah. So I, I'll tell you that, um, uh, you know... I, for anyone who doesn't know, Atari Mania is an amazing site right. for uh, finding Atari ST information. It used to be Atari.st, uh, the little green desktop, which is cool, but that has 
has Richard Richard, Richard Davey did has that for a long time for a long time. But that's an awesome looking site. It was a really cool website, but really hard to maintain the way it was it was it was done, especially when um, you know. But it's really hard. It's hard to maintain a site like that for too long. I still see Richard around. And I will, I'll say hi, and he didn't say hi back anymore. Um, but um, but we used to do, we used to, yeah, we used to be pretty uh, pretty decent friends. Back, I mean, back and forth, not not really knowing each other. Um, he even sent me a, a a download. It turned out that, uh, um, I had purchased two CDs of um of ST software from him before I knew who he was from his site, and I never received them. So I made a complaint on um on uh when you when you could complain on eBay, eBay and I got my like ten dollars back and later on when I told him about it he just sent me the FTP link so I could FTP down all of his CDs. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But um but then uh then I haven't talked to him since he made he made ever since he went full in on um his um, HP5 game engine. Is it Phaser? Is that Phaser. Phaser. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean. You know, people people do move on to other things. I mean, the database is down on a, on a site, right? Yeah, that's, I think that was the problem. Connecting the database on little it's green desktop. No, it's expensive. It's to keep those things going is hard. Um, so uh, what what you? I've been uploading you, you stuff a, to Atari Mania now too. I mean, sending stuff to Atari Mania. So I've sent. Um, I, I have some really cool stuff from our collection, and one of them is a not a very good game, but a really cool instruction manual that was made out of like construction paper oh, really? and printed with like a hole in the middle of the front, so you can see a really cool. Um, what was face that? That? For? that was Screaming Wings. I mean, oh, I remember so it was Screaming like, Wings. This was an like, awful. When game, they but... sold it here in the U.S., they had to make it a little bit more like like raise the price and put a little more into it. That and I did um um Double Dragon Two. But the, the the full color instructions that we have are great. They're only for the IBM PC. Really? It came with a card, so I had to find. I had to dig through all stuff. I found a card that had the Amiga and ST instructions, which are slightly right. different. Yeah. Thus, the life of a uh, uh, yeah. of a Atari ST or Amiga gamer at the time, where like, you know, you had to deal with just just a, an instruction manual for a different computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then they, and then they photocopied something they and would, threw it in the box. Yeah, they would photocopy like it. Uh, they would scribble it on a napkin and photocopy and throw it in the box that would say like, oh, ST instructions, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Anyway. So you have um, a few Atari ST reviews you want to do in this episode? Yeah, I have, well, for this episode in particular, um, I have one that I'm going to do. And it's about a game called Balance of Power. Oh, um, yeah, I do have Atari ST reviews, Steve. I'm um, I looked at some of the games by uh, Steve Back, who was one of the first. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was Steve Dack. Whatever you want to do. No, no, it's micro yeah, my, the whole thing. So my, yes, I, a long time ago on our website, I on 8-Bit Rocket, I did a survey of of micro deal games, which acts for the Atari ST. The first games that came out, Mud Pies, the first game that ever came out on ST, um, a reversey style game, a few others, and um, and of course Time Bandit, and I, I and there's other games in there too. Well, I have one that I'm going to review as well because it's one of my favorite, least favorite games that came out for the ST that I, that um, that I bought that I remember using thirty two dollars on my own money to buy, which I, I can talk about later, which is called Leatherneck. 
Well, remember Better Dead Than Alien? Yes. That's not a microdale, though. No, no, no. But let's be right. Now that was. And what I'm going to do first is I've updated this article and I've written, I've played all the games again and I've updated everything in it. Um, and there's history and I'm going to do that now. And eventually I will create this, this entire thing will be a, a, a long form 30 minute video that will go on the site also, but we'll have gameplay in it. Oh, that's cool. no gameplay in this. Okay. I didn't want to have gameplay. So, so are you, um, you're going to review better dead than alien? No. No, no. I just, I, I was just okay. mentioning that, that. I thought that was better. So dead I have than a alien. story about Better Dead Than Alien, but I'm gonna, but I'll save it for when we actually do Bet, Better Dead. Than I remember. Alien. I think. I'm, well, okay. Just one thing about Better Dead Than Alien. About remember the about the high school girls. Better Dead Than Alien. Yes. Uh, there was some girl you were dating at the time, and we, you had to buy Better Dead Than Alien at the same time we went to the movies and saw Gleaming the Cube. That's all I remember. <laughs> oh. Thanks for reminding me about that, Jeff. <laughs> I was... <laughs> that was a dark period. It was a dark period, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. But we were able to get better than the alien at some store that was right there in that, that Hermosa Beach mall. Yeah, I I don't... And, and you, they had you're now, you're now talking about a place that no one who's listening would have any idea what we're well, talking about. Well, what I'm saying is you could buy it at a Atari ST game in yeah, 1988 there was, at a store there was in the a warehouse there. It so could have been maybe they price. were selling it at the warehouse, which was the warehouse was like our rec- record chain that was around yeah. here that yeah. sold at one time sold computer games. I know, I know. For instance, in our birthday in January 1982, we went to the warehouse and spent like our birthday money on Atari VCS games. Right. And I know I got uh, right there, sitting right there, Star Raiders. We got yeah. a copy of Star Raiders, and we got a copy of Planet Patrol. Planet Patrol for sure, and something else. I, their games, I actually liked them. They're actually. So really I remember good waking up. No, and- I'm sorry. It was our birthday in? Was our birthday eighty two or eighty three? I'm sure it's eighty three. This- Planet Patrol came out eighty three. It's eighty three. It was eighty three. It was eighty three. Eighty two, because all those games were um, were announced were announced at the summer CES. So Planet Patrol wouldn't have come out to eighty three. But um but but here's what I'm trying to say. In eighty two when we were when we went to the warehouse to look, I saw Ultima two, the box for Atari eight hundred Ultima two, and it blew me the f away. I turned around the back of the box and it said all the shit you did like fly to the space. I'm like the a computer is when I get a computer, computer right. it's going to be the greatest thing ever, I've ever right found right. in my time. It actually might have been 1983, actually, when I saw it. But but anyway, that, well, we <laughs> never did buy Ultima three. We bought Ultima four. No, no, this is Ultima two. I know, but I said we never. No, did we buy never bought Ultima three. I bought Ultima four later. But anyway, um, let's get into your ST reviews because I think it's fascinating time with those with those early this Atari ST. This is the ST first. Games. This is a, I'm I'm going back. We're starting our our first ST corner or whatever we're gonna call it but we're starting this time with the first games that were ever really um out for the st in the u.s that's cool all right so have fun listening so again sorry about the weird feed mix up with the alarm podcast getting into into the vertical blank um we have a lot more of this odds and sods style content we'll probably have a second bonus episode or even a third before we start season three. So thanks for listening again. Sorry about that.
Next frame calculated. Prepare to write new data. V blank ending. An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.